Welcome to the Not Sorry Art Podcast. I'm Sari Shrike, the artist and creator behind Not Sorry Art and Not Sorry Art School. I'm so excited to talk art and creativity with you. So grab a drink, grab a snack, and let's dive in. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Not Sorry Art Podcast. I'm Sari. Thank you for being here and Today's episode is dedicated to one specific question, and if you have read the title of this episode, you already know it. It's the question, tell me about your childhood. I have been lucky enough to have been a guest on several podcasts that I really love and look up to, and I've also been interviewed for print. And whenever you get interviewed, one of the first questions you get asked is some form of tell me about your childhood. Tell me how you got into art. When did you know you wanted to be an artist? And it totally makes sense. This is a great get to know you question. And also chronologically, it sort of fits. And so I I never begrudge the question itself, per se. But rather, I sort of am always avoiding what I like to call like the Phoebe effect. (laughs) And I one of my favorite shows as a kid, I still love watching at night was Friends. And there was a character who one of sort of the running bits about her was that her childhood was really dark. She grew up on the streets. Her mom struggled. And in the episodes, occasionally, something from her childhood would be brought up. And it was always really uncomfortable. And sometimes it was just as simple as like, oh, this really deep, uncomfortable thing brought up out of nowhere. It was really funny. And sometimes they would use it as a way to sort of foil the more superficial problems that some of the other characters who, by contrast, did not have such dramatic childhoods it would just be a device to use to sort of highlight that. So it's all good. But the point is, as a kid, I learned both from this and other things that to sort of bring up seemingly out of nowhere, heavy things, dark things like substance abuse and poverty, maybe wasn't the most okay thing to do in a setting, especially where you were introducing yourself to other people. So usually my go-to for this question would be to very briefly discuss my childhood and just kind of hit the highlights or even just say like, oh, I was always artsy and then dive right into college. But this always frustrated me for a couple of reasons. One of them being that I did want to talk about it in more earnest. Something that I've been really fortunate to get feedback on over the years is people who have experienced similar childhoods to me. So for again, for context, I grew up below the poverty line. My parents struggled with substance abuse. My mom struggled with her mental health. And this has informed a lot of my artwork. And people will reach out and say, hey, I never see artists who have backgrounds like this. Like, thank you for sharing. Thank you for talking about it. And that always is such incredibly wonderful feedback to hear especially when it feels like you're talking into a vacuum half the time but I also sort of feared this question because I feel like there's no good way to answer it in general and so with this episode I wanted to do two main things first I wanted to give myself the context to answer that question in a more full way and it's not like a memoir we're not diving deep into the weeds but I'm talking about the points that really I think informed why I'm an artist now and how it's really pertinent to my career and then also I wanted to dedicate the second half of the episode to talking about how the things that maybe make you feel awkward or that maybe are uncomfortable for you to talk about and of course I don't mean talk about things you haven't processed process them on your own time But if you're in a place where you feel comfortable sharing it, but you just want the right context, I'm hoping that those things, I can show you that they're actually your strengths as an artist. And just like how Phoebe and her life 
sometimes held up a mirror to everyone else's, all the other characters' lives. I think as artists, the things that might seem uncomfortable that we've been conditioned to not talk about in conversations, you know, the isms and poverty and mental health, and I'm sure I'm, there's so many other things that pertain to this, but those things, while maybe they're not the best small talk or intro to a podcast, those things are usually gold for making art because they do hold up a mirror to society or they do completely shift and change how you look at the world. If any of this sounds interesting to you, then listen to the rest of this episode. I hope it's helpful. Thank you for being here and holding some space for my story. I appreciate it. I also want to take a second just to throw out a little bit of a content warning. There might be some themes about substance abuse and mental health, specifically a suicide attempt. So if that does not feel like something you're ready to handle, I'll see you next week. No big deal. But yeah, thank you, and let's just dive right into it. Okay, so I'm going to ask myself this question in three parts. The first is tell me about your childhood. The second is did you always love art? Tell me when you first fell in love with art. And then third is did you always want to be an artist? So more about the vocation of it all. So yeah, let's just let this go. Okay, so my childhood, I grew up in the Ozarks, which is in like southwest Missouri, northern Arkansas, but specifically Springfield, Missouri. Its name means that it gets left out of the conversation a lot. Springfield is a very bland name, but all you need to know is it's the main city in the Ozarks. You know, growing up, there was about 180,000 people. So it's not really fair to call it a small town, but it definitely didn't have an urban vibe to it. Basically, it felt like a never-ending strip mall. And, and that's, you know, there was some culture to it, but we were transplants. My parents grew up in South Carolina and I was born in Florida we moved to Missouri when I was two years old. I have an older brother and a younger sister, so I'm a middle kid. Probably explains why I'm talking into a, a microphone right now. <laughs> and yeah, we grew up really poor. My dad worked as a drywaller for a while, and he experienced an injury that not only hurt his back, but I think in a pretty tremendous way hurt his mental health. And my mom subsequently went from primarily taking care of us to working at a warehouse, the Bass Pro Warehouse in Springfield, Missouri. And it was an incredibly hard job. She worked her body, you know, to the point where it was pretty broken all through the span of my childhood. And, you know, I think poverty and living below the poverty line largely shaped my childhood. You know, unlike, I would assume, unlike being middle class, where your class sort of feels invisible to you, at times outside of maybe the more obvious wants and stuff. Poverty felt very ever-present and heavy and we didn't have the language to describe why it was so bad, but it was just really hard and dehumanizing. As for when did I know I liked art? Was I always artsy? Yeah, my first memory of art is not my first memory of art. My mom tells me the story of me building this mosaic sculpture thing with play-doh and beads and barbie shoes and i remember her saying it was an incredibly creative thing that i made and my parents are the kind of people who as parents they sort of labeled us and that was who we were for the rest of our life and so i was the artsy kid my sister was athletic and my brother was smart and that was kind of all of our things 
And I've always liked art. I'm a busy kid. I can remember very clear memory in fourth grade of we would have after recess reading time where the teacher would read to us out loud. And I would always make these big elaborate drawings the entire time. And initially, I remember her getting mad at me and saying, like, you have to pay attention. You're doodling. And then when she saw the doodle, it was like an elaborate illustration of what was being read in the story. And she told me specifically that I had permission to doodle. (laughs) Really appreciated that. But yes, I was always a a drawing kid, a doodling kid. Again, with the poor thing, there weren't a lot of special programs for us. We couldn't afford camps or special classes. And as I was going to school, the arts program were being actively cut. By the time I was in middle school, we had visual art classes, but we could opt out of them. And I chose to do music just because I I like singing too. It was just kind of an artsy fartsy kid. The other thing that really shaped my relationship with art is the fact that I was grounded all the time. So my parents were really, really, really strict with us as kids. And one of the ways my dad's anxiety and his own struggles with his own life sort of manifested and was projected onto us kids was my dad is a pretty smart guy, a very creative guy. He taught himself all about physics in his free time and he would write these papers and he taught himself how to play guitar and he would write poetry and at one point in his life he really got into painting and so he was he was creative and he was a smart guy but he was dyslexic as a kid and during a time when you were flagged as needing remedial help he was just held back for two years and put in remedial classes and so he didn't like school and he dropped out in high school both of my parents dropped out in high school and he really pushed us kids to make good grades so we were expected to make a's he would tolerate b's and if we got c's we were grounded so i am also dyslexic and so needless to say i I spent a lot of my childhood grounded i think during the academic year it was not a stretch to say i was grounded between a third and a fourth of the time and the only thing i was allowed to do when i was grounded was to read and draw considering i didn't learn how to read till almost fifth grade (laughs) I spent a lot of my early childhood drawing and doodling and we didn't have any supplies really other than I would get those big craft kits. There came in like a little mini suitcase sort of thing and it was like the world's creddiest markers. But I had that and, and some paper that my mom would bring home from work. It was like fax paper and yeah, that, that was all I did. I just graphite and paper for the most part until I went to college. Even though my parents labeled me as the artsy kid, I got really into running and it was kind of my way of rebelling against them because I was not the athletic kid, but I enjoyed running because I enjoyed getting out of the house and being in my own brain and it was an excuse to leave. My home was pretty violent and I had a lot of responsibilities as a kid. There was a period of time where my mom, you know, very actively struggled with suicide and, you know, my dad struggled with drinking and so I would do anything to get out of the house and before I had a job, I would leave to go run and I would start with five miles and then work my way up to eight and 10. And eventually I had my favorite 12 mile loop that I would do pretty regularly. Because of my love for running, I happened to be on the track doing extra laps after practice and a coach saw me and decided to work with me one-on-one to help me get in a position where I could go to college on a scholarship. I really didn't think it was a reality to be able to go to college and run. But with the help of this coach, it was, and I was able to go to college. When I was in college, I took art classes. It was kind of the first time I dove back into art, other than, of course, doodling. 
because even at like my part-time job in high school, I, I would doodle on the whiteboards. I was just a compulsive drawer. But in college, I remember I was thinking about how I was going to make it. I did okay in school. Again, my, my parents, my dad particularly pushed us really hard. And despite having dyslexia, I was able to graduate with a decent GPA and a decent ACT score, at least good enough to get me into college. But I remember having this thought my freshman year when I was enrolling in my classes that I was way out of my zone I remember having a talk with my basically the college equivalent to like a homeroom teacher and I turned in my first couple of papers and she pulled me aside and said hey I'm going to move you to a pass fail grading system you're really struggling with these papers kids who go to your high school and she knew the high school I went to tend to really struggle their first year so I recommend you get some tutoring figure out how to write these papers I think you'll be okay but you do have to work on this and so this informed kind of what path I took and I remember thinking that the only thing that really seemed to come naturally to me in life was drawing <laughs> and so I, I signed up to be an art major I thought it'd be easier I was interested in political science I was interested in other things but I didn't want to fail out of college because this was my sort of one attempt to get out of poverty and I took it incredibly seriously so with that, I signed up for a bunch of art classes, and I met Todd Lowry, who was a painting professor, drawing professor, and his approach was very egalitarian, and everyone is welcome, and he sort of taught, as long as you put in the work, you can be anything you want to be, which just spoke to my little 18-year-old soul. So I became a huge fan, and I was motivated, and because of that, I really fell in love with art, and you know, the rest is kind of history. And then the final question here is did I always know I wanted to be an artist and truthfully no you know I think if had you asked maybe 10 year old Sari like what do you want to be when you grow up I would have told you a mixture between a Beyonce an artist and a mom <laughs> that's kind of always been my answer but one thing I, I want to talk about in regards to like children who are raised at and below the poverty line when it comes to conversations about what we want to be when we grow up I don't think people realize that it's it's even kind of a luxury to have parents who warn you about against being an artist because you don't want to be a starving artist. When you already are kind of growing up food insecure, you really don't have a lot to lose. And so my parents, and I know maybe it wasn't the same with all of my peers' parents, but it seemed to be as kids, all of us were encouraged to be anything we wanted to be. We all thought of being an astronaut, doctors, lawyers, even though statistically, all of us who grew up in persistent poverty were very unlikely to make it out of our current class. And so the idea of being a lawyer or a doctor, no parent wanted to look at their children, their grade school children, and say, hey, you'll probably be what the parents are, which were hardworking people who worked seasonal jobs or, you know, some of my most well-off friends, their, their moms were CNAs or a lot of my friends' parents were on disability and a lot of my friends' parents worked under the table jobs. And nobody wants to sit down and tell your kids that that's your destiny. So the parents and the teachers, they all rooted for us. They all encouraged us. The narrative growing up was very much, you're going to make it out of poverty. You're going to do it. You're going to get out of here. And I can't tell you how average I was I was really a pretty average kid both in grades and every other kind of measurable way <laughs> and I had friends who were way above average and they were smarter and they worked harder and they were kinder and they were way more talented and one thing that happened to us as we moved into high school 
and you know approaching that junior year where you you take your test and you start to apply all of a sudden the kids who had so much potential way more potential than me started realizing that they're not going to be able to do even the state school they're not going to be able to swing the finances they're not going to be able to step away from their job and stop helping their family and the kids who had had so much potential started to pull away work more show up less to school so when I get asked this question about did you always want to be an artist it's tough because I think of how much grief for a certain class of people this question holds that there are a lot of people who despite working hard and doing all the right things you just you go to the wrong kinds of schools you come from the wrong kind of support system and making it to college is not always an option for everyone to be honest with you I didn't start in a very meaningful way thinking about what I wanted to do as a grown-up until probably age 19 20 21 because of this I sort of looked at the fact that once I became close enough to graduation to realize that I might actually get a degree, I, I can't tell you enough, everything was really touch and go in college. It was really hard for me. <laughs> but I started to realize, like, maybe I will be able to be a graphic designer because I got a degree in both fine art and graphic design. Again, sort of was able to go to college, considered myself incredibly lucky. And whenever I got out of school, I did apply for graphic design jobs. But again, I sort of had this nothing to lose mentality. And so I worked odd jobs. And again, the rest is kind of history. But all of those things definitely inform how my career is now and how everything has unfolded. So that's my answer to the question. What did you want to be when you grew up? How was your childhood? Did you always know you were going to be an artist? It's not a very straightforward answer. It's usually why I say I was just artsy. I lucked into college. I'm here now. Getting out of poverty regardless of whether I was an artist or a manager at a, a Best Buy, was my only goal. Food security, having a family that wasn't my family of origin, that was my only goal. And the funny thing is, as I'm sitting here recording it, I don't feel the shame or the burning hot sensation in my ears that I get when I normally answer that question in someone else's interview. And it's because within the context that I've created for myself, those aren't things that I'm ashamed of. Again, the Phoebe effect, it's just the idea that bringing it up to someone who doesn't maybe know you always feels incredibly intimidating. And I'll say that the Phoebe effect also sort of echoes in how I've chosen my subject matter as an artist and how I've presented myself to the art world. And part of why I wanted to share this story was also because I didn't hear other people who had stories similar to mine. Again, most of the time when people asked those questions, you know, you get a variety of answers and everyone's answers are great. There's no wrong or right way to be a person. But I think what ended up happening was just not hearing my own story reflected in other people's podcasts started to sort of nag at me. So early in my career, when I started to take what I was doing in, in earnest, I devoured podcasts, interviews with artists from other podcasters I went through all their back inventory I listened to maybe one or two every single day and it was incredibly informative it helped me to learn how to run a business I sort of jokingly say that I got my business degree through listening to podcasts but such great help there was one day where you know again three-ish years in to listening to these podcasts and I had to hear one more person say that their parents were artists or architects or you know some other affluent creative field again there's nothing wrong with that I think that's wonderful my children will be able to say that their mom was an artist but it started to kind of do more harm than good and I started to really bristle at that question when other people would be asked it 
And that's totally a me thing. I, I stopped listening to podcasts because I sort of couldn't handle it. And I think in some ways the genesis of this episode was planted at that moment because I did want to eventually create a platform where I could share a story that maybe wasn't heard of by other people as much. But the point I'm wanting to make now is that the thing that made me feel so removed from other people and other artists and certainly the art world, my childhood in poverty, being the daughter of addicts, having a mom who openly struggled with suicide and her mental health struggle my whole childhood, it shaped how I view the world and how I process the world. And just because you don't see your identity or your struggle or your circumstances in the art world doesn't mean that you don't belong in the art world. In fact, if you don't see those things in the art world, it needs to be your invitation into the art world. And that's my biggest message that I want to share in this episode is my fear and anxiety about talking about growing up in poverty. Part of why it developed kind of into a bit of a complex at some points was because I didn't hear anyone with those struggles. I didn't see anyone turning the shame and trauma of poverty into art. I didn't see anyone turning their mom's constant struggle with mental health into art. And it's not to say that I'm the only one doing it, but it's it's more to say that, again, if you perceive that that story is missing, even if it's just your corner of the internet or your corner of your art sphere, that's a sign that you should talk about it and that you should fill space, especially if you've processed those things and if you're making art about those things and if it's part of what you want to talk about. Obviously, I hope it goes without saying that if you're not ready to talk about something or you don't feel like it's pertinent to your art or the conversation by all means don't share but for me you know my art started out just gratitude art it was just I'm glad to be here I can't believe I made it through college I can't believe I get to make art and then it slowly turned into I started bumping up into misconceptions about poor people and why do you work so hard and you know things just life life bumping into you right your own projections and wounds and misconceptions and the way you see the world good or bad starts bumping into the world when you interact with it through sharing art and I've said before that I feel like my art a lot of times is just a mosaic of all the chips off my shoulder and it's morphed into what it is now which is a little bit more of a upfront commentary on poverty and on the trauma that the poorest Americans endure in this country and not to make this overly grandiose but I do get messages from people from time to time and a lot of times the gist of it is I don't hear anyone who has our kind of childhood talk about it in the art world I never hear anyone with our story making art and thank you for sharing and so I think there's value in sharing if you feel comfortable with it and there's value in making art to hold up a mirror to society even if it is uncomfortable And there's even value in learning how to tell your own story and make sense of your own trauma. And I'll also say that the art world, just like the world at large, can be unfair and really lean towards people of privilege, you know. And so if you don't see your humanity or your story or your struggles reflected in the world, it may not be because it's a niche experience. It may just be that we live in an unfair world and I'll also warn artists that the art world is huge and just because the darlings and the people getting the shows you know maybe 
are, are getting those things because of networking and connections and their parents are artists. I also want to encourage you that, that again, just because you're not seeing it in the art world doesn't mean there's not people who want to hear the art that you're making. And to the point of the art world being really large, the art world is anyone who wants to hear, connect, buy, listen to your art. And if you make art as visual communication, someone will hear you. And maybe it's niche, but it may be something that really helps another person who's gone through something really specific in their life. So with today's episode, I am grateful again for the space to talk about how I decided to be an artist, if there even is such a thing, how I came to be an artist rather. I hope it doesn't resonate with you in the sense that I don't wish my experience to be a universal one, but I understand that it may. And I just want to encourage anyone who who does feel like they resonate with what I'm saying to just keep going and I'm cheering you on. Hey all, I just wanted to let you know that I'm hosting a painting retreat March 22nd through 27th in the beautiful Texas hill country of Wimberley, Texas. I'll be teaching my still life and landscape techniques as we relax on a 100-acre property situated 45 minutes away from downtown Austin. There are five unique lodging accommodations to choose from plus a drive-in option for local guests. We'll be enjoying chef-prepared meals, so every single meal of the day is already provided for you, and soak in all the inspiration that the beautiful property has to offer. And y'all, if you haven't been down to the Texas Hill Country, it is so stunning. All the locals vacation out there. It's a lot of beauty and nature and hopefully we're going to be super inspired by that as we learn plein air painting and lots of other great technique. So sign up today by heading over to my website sari.studio and clicking the Texas Painting Retreat tab. I hope to see you there. It's going to be a blast. I hope this was helpful. Something that I get asked somewhat regularly is what is something you could have gone back and told an earlier version of yourself? And I always struggle with this question because there aren't just quotes and one-offs that I think would have helped me. But instead, I think someone sitting down and explaining that just because you don't see your story reflected in the art world doesn't mean that that story doesn't need to be told. Rather, it's a sign that you should talk about that. I think if someone had explained that in a little bit of nuance, that would have been tremendously helpful for me and my specific struggles. So I'm not sure who this is going to be resonating with, but I want to encourage you to explore these thoughts. And yeah, again, I hope this is a helpful episode. I always appreciate you guys listening and taking the time and holding space. So enjoy the rest of your day. Happy creating. Thank you for listening. I wanted to say a huge thank you to all of the people who are leaving reviews. I'm going to go ahead and read out some of those names. Thank you to Lynn Rochelle. That's L-Y-N-N-E-R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E. I also want to say thank you to Lori C. in Oceanside. That's L-O-R-I in Oceanside, I assume California. That's I'm sure your weather is much better than our winter weather now. Thank you to Adrian Berkland Art. That's A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E. B-E-R-K-L-A-N-D art and thank you to Taylor Fisk art that's at T-A-Y-L-O-R-F-I-S-K underscore art thank you guys so much for leaving those reviews it always helps a merging channel like I have here with the Not Sorry Art podcast again thank you and enjoy the rest of your day